Heads, and welcome to The League, exploring the League of Legends lore from A to Z. My name is Rebecca. And I'm John. And I'm Mark. And today we get to talk about the Serpent's Embrace, Cassiopeia, who was released December 14th, 2010. She's an old lady. Yeah. She is an old lady. <laughs> an old snake lady. <laughs> she falls. I watched the uh, the champion spotlight video for her because it, it showed up in my YouTube recommends. Oh, this shit damn. is ancient, man. Did it's Freak really... recommend jungling her with Trinity Force? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's. I think he did. He said he tried and, and it didn't work. But he, this this guy was igniting like red buff or some shit. I don't know. It was, <laughs> League was a different thing back in the day, man. Jungle was a different thing back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what was a blast was him talking about like the runes and oh I go like twenty one nine zero masteries or what? Oh my <laughs> god! If anyone remembers those numbers? Yeah. Do you remember that like those dark dark days? Nico remembers. <laughs> That's our cat. When um <laughs> the runes and masteries were separated. I know it wasn't that long ago, but it kind of was. Yeah, and everyone had to take that to one crit rune so you could get one percent and win that <laughs> level one one v one. I like the time spent dead reduction runes. Oh my I like to run God. those with revive. The extra oh. gold quince. <laughs> oh God, revive. Bank plank quince. Bank plank. Oh man. See, I never like really learned the runes because I refused. There were too many. And I was like, I have my pre-made pages and that's it. Which is wild compared to how I play now. I don't have pre-made pages anymore. Because I'm that good. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean I frantically am trying to find a recommendation <laughs> before they get started. Uh, whoever the fuck I'm playing. Yeah. <laughs> Googling Malphite ARAM real quick so I can get some runes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cassiope doesn't have a lot going on for her, so we're rambling a little in the beginning. She has a bio and a short story on the universe page. And that's pretty much it. The short story is called The Shedding of the Skin. And then John dug up just some old ass bullshit. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Cassiopeia does fall solidly within that realm where she did get a champion judgment. So we've got some judgment info for her, some <laughs> old bio info, some hella old Dominion cinematics. It's some good stuff, folks. <laughs> yeah, she didn't really get hit with the update, huh? Cassiopeia. No, she got work in the past, man. Yeah, a lot of like uh, champions got some updated lore, and I guess she did in a way. You said you, she has some old lore, but yeah, with the Sharima really... update, they changed her lore mm. um, because the whole storyline between her and Sivir didn't exist before the Sharima update. Uh, her old curse. Well, we'll get into her old <laughs> curse, but it was from a different thing. Oh, yeah. interesting. All right, so who wants to kick us off with the bio? Uh. I can do it. So Cass is uh she is born to the the house of the Noxian royal house of uh, Ducato. Did I say that right? That's always how I pr- pronounced it. Ducato. Ducato. Couteau. Yeah. Which I think means like of the knife or something like that in French. Oh. Very, hmm. uh, very on the nose with these guys. Um, <laughs> but that's a, that's a storied house that has echoed through the the various iterations of League lore. I kind of forgot she was a member of them, uh, but she's, mm-hmm. I think, one of two daughters. They might have more. I think it's just her and Katarina, who's her sister. This is, yeah, this is when I learned that Cassiopeia and Katarina were sisters. I didn't even know that piece of lore. <laughs> yeah. It's, man, talk about insignificant relationships. Anyway, 
Uh, so Cassiopeia, <laughs> yeah, Cassiopeia is one of the two Ducato daughters. Uh, she is raised up kind of not solely, but very much under her mother, uh, Soriana. Am I saying that right? Or we're going to write this down. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, in, in my head, I was alternating between Soriana and just a straight up Serena. <laughs> mm. But I imagine if they wanted it to be Serena, they would have spelled it a different way. So I'm going to go with Soriana. I like Soriana, you know. <laughs> Sorana? So I would go with Sorana, I would, I would think. Get real country with it. Soriana. All together. Well, Sor. How very Massachusetts of you. Sor is S O R E. No, if it were Massachusetts, it would be like a Solshinania word. Jesus. An E E C H E S T that you're just ignoring in the middle of the name. Shoranshina. Yeah, that's that's how you say it. That's that's how you anyway, so raised up by her mother, her her father, whose name is not mentioned at all in the bio, but it is Marcus. By the way, in case anyone oh. was curious, yeah. Uh, Noxie in general had a bunch of success in the Shuriman campaigns, so he eventually moved his family out. You know, they're, they're like army brats. They got moved out to the city of Urzeris, which is a Noxian holding in northern Shurima. And she grows up under her, her mother, very close to her mother, and starts to notice that her mother has other hidden concerns beyond just the Noxian Empire. And... Eventually, her mom almost dies from an assassination attempt. Someone poisoned her hairbrush, which is an interesting way to try and kill someone, I guess. Weird. (laughs) I guess they wanted to keep the poison theme kind of going with her in whatever way they could, right? I mean, it could have been her food. They poisoned her food. No, it was the hairbrush. Caustic hairbrush. (laughs) Okay. Caustic comb. (laughs) But, um... I mean, they mentioned this, but it doesn't seem to impact that much. Eventually, her dad, Marcus, gets recalled to Noxus to prepare for the the second Ionian invasion. Uh, so Cass stays behind with her mother. Katarina also goes back to Noxus with her dad. Um, and this is where Cassiopeia kind of learns, or it's revealed to her, that her mother is a member of the Black Rose. which is a secret society in Noxus. Also something that has echoed across League's lore for fucking ever. Um, so very storied. And they are looking to expand their influence in Shurima. Uh, so Cassiopeia kind of grows up. She is initiated into the Black Rose. And her initiation seems to be hunting down her mother's would-be assassins. Which she does very effectively, efficiently, and very speedy. <laughs> Sound like even Soriana was a little surprised at how good she was. And she is tasked you know, as a member of the, the Rose to go, go start plundering tombs. Start trying to find uh, like secrets to a, the Ascension magic. Is kind of what they seem to be looking for right yeah that type of stuff that seemed to be the case especially from like the quotes afterwards that seemed right yeah I mean, which makes sense you know this is where the dark the the ascended and the dark can come from everyone probably knows about it now eventually news comes from noxus that swain has overthrown the noxian emperor forum dark will uh and the coup has been supported by the two kato house much to soriana's chagrin um <laughs> yeah she's not a fan of that uh, because apparently the coup is a threat to the Black Rose and its members, Soriana tasks Cassiopeia with going out and find. I, I think this is where she actually got tasked with finding the Ascension secrets. Before she was just plundering shit, just <laughs> in general. I don't know. Just grave um, robbing. Yeah, you know. she was just a grave digger. <laughs> uh, I mean, that shit happens a ton in Sharima. It's like a. It's like their it's number true. one profession. Yeah. Um, and this is where we uh, back when we hit. Azir, that's what it was. Um, back when we hit Azir, we talked about the descent into the tomb and rise of Shurima cinematics, and that's where 
you know, this happens. She backstabs Sibber. You know, they find the ascended tomb and she gets bit by a big snake stone guardian and it starts to twist her body with its arcane toxins, turning her into <laughs> into a snake lady. And uh, she goes back to her Zeris and kind of locks herself away under the Ducato residence in an unused crypt and eventually kind of transforms into Cass as we know her and finally leaves the tomb ready to start helping the Black Rose some more. Put her transformation to use in some way. <laughs> that's about it. Um, I definitely feel like it's weird that I feel like I did learn a lot about Cassiopeia, mostly because I know nothing about her except Snake Lady and <laughs> what we learned through Azir's lore about her backstabbing Sivir, and that's how she got cursed. Um, I never imagined her as like a human woman, but mm. but at the same time, I feel like I didn't learn all that much at all. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's a bio. They they tend to be kind of light on yeah. that sometimes. And this is definitely one of those that's very light on that. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that struck me with this was after reading this short story afterwards, there were things that either seemed like they were missing that were important from the bio or just conflicts between the bio and the short story that I was kind of curious about. Oh, yeah? Um, I think, I, think, I, I, think yeah. I felt some of that, too. So I'm curious what you... What came up for you? Because I, I wonder. I bet we'll see some of the same things you and I on that one. <laughs> if that's your feeling about it. The only thing I really um felt like I was lacking is I was curious what Cassiopeia's mother thought because they seem to have a very close relationship. We don't really get any of her mother's personality, which I would have liked. Um, we just know that they're close, and I don't know. Like, what does her mother think about her daughter coming back as a snake woman? You know. That would be the scene that I would want to see in a short story would be what happened when she showed up. What's the relationship like now? Because it's, mm -hmm. you know, Katarina is just like, whatever. They might as well not be related. But her mother is, that's a, obviously, yeah. like you said, the super strong relationship, right? Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic to see that her sister has gone off and is really close with their father. And then kind of learning like, oh, my mom and dad are not on the same side. And I'm on my mom's side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think with with an organization like the the Black Rose, it seems like without you know obviously knowing too much about what they do, they're very opportunistic, mm -hmm. and it, I would have loved to have seen like how they would take something so unexpected as like oh my daughter is half Viper now, how can we use this? <laughs> yeah, I would I would think yeah. of, if anything, her mom would be the one to convince her to come out of hiding in the first place yeah. to kind of amp her up and be like, this is, can be a really good thing, you know, borderline using you know, would, her, but I don't really know. Yeah. Well, I would think that would be a, you know, there's a lot of potential in that scene because you know, on the one hand, you've got someone who's, who's suffered something very, you know, that's a really shitty thing to have happen to you. <laughs> and to see someone leverage that, leveraging that relationship to kind of use them for their own ends, you know, it, it would almost, it would add a nice little tone of tragedy to Cassiopeia, yeah. right? And, and the way that, that that relationship is affecting her, you know? Yeah. Ironically enough, that was her dad's role in the old lore. Interesting. <laughs> was, oh, yeah. Is pulling her out of that self-loathing and being like, you're a fucking Ducato. Get out there and do Ducato things. Uh, I would have liked to have seen that with her mom. Uh, a lot. Yeah. Cassiopeia was much lower on like the totem pole than I was expecting. Just kind of looking at her, I thought she was some kind of powerful myth. I was imagining Medusa, you know, because it was a snake woman. So seeing her as being yeah. like this 
somewhat vulnerable daughter was really interesting, but it didn't lean into it enough for me. I would like to for it to lean into that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I th- I thought also if you wanted to look at other ways to kind of give her more, I thought maybe introduce a relationship with Siver instead of just her being her kind of guide, mm. you know, something that would help make that back... It would help make that betrayal feel more impactful. It would help cement Cassiopeia as someone who is very good at... Because they talk about her... There's like a single throwaway line about her, you know, using people and discarding them, right? Also very opportunistic. And, you know, someone who could get... Siver, from what I know about Siver, get her, her guard down and get her to the point of trusting you would really highlight, oh, you're a really skilled manipulator and you're really effective at using mm-hmm. people. Instead of, I don't like... I think she just hired her as just a mercenary, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it raises questions about like what's what why would Siver even trust her in the first place to to even be in that position of getting stabbed in the back, right? It kind of just makes her look a little gullible maybe. I don't know. I don't yeah, kind of like a in the same problems we had with Caitlin in that we're kind of being told that she's really good at these things, but then the stories aren't necessarily reflecting that. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. But I'm curious about what your beef is with uh, the bio and the short stories combined. Because the, the short story, the flavor story, uh, whoever wants to dive into that, didn't give us all that much. Yeah. So I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit just because there's um, there's not a, a ton to go over. The story basically follows Cassiopeia. She's decided she's going to go on a hunt. Uh, so she is basically tracking this soldier throughout the city, kind of horror movie style, taunting him, <laughs> mocking him while he runs away until eventually killing him. That's that's kind of the you know the crux of the story. Yeah. Uh, so some some interesting things about it is that she does specify that this soldier in particular she has had her eye on because he is a a murderer and an abuser. So this is this is in this story she's kind of like a Dexter? a vigilante <laughs> yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. This is weird. Um yeah. it was a little weird uh, cuz like you mentioned in her bio it does very specifically mention oh like people are people are tools but the way she kind of calls him out for his actions against these other people are very much like I can't believe you would do something like this. <laughs> what are these people to you? Just throw away nothing. So I'll teach you. It's like, but that's what you do. Yeah. That's your thing. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. He was specifically using children as, as bait or ch- child meat. <laughs> as bait. So I, I will, the, and, and this could have been cleared away with a really quick line, like a lot of plot holes and stories that we get from, <laughs> from the universe. I I think maybe there are a lot of villains out there who specifically feel differently about children. And so I think that they could have specified that, yeah, she manipulates and fucks people up, but not fucking kids, dude. You know, like, it could have been, like, maybe because he's using children. Yeah, and the barmaid thing, too, just, like, not even just kids, but just like helpless people or like people who can't mm-hmm. protect themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Siver could have defended herself. You know, she just wow. was too weak because <laughs> her back was turned, <laughs> <laughs> but she was an adult. It was an adult back. <laughs> an adult back. 
another thing that they mention in this one too is, and I I couldn't tell whether this was written in reference to some of her old lore or not. I assume not because this, I mean, this whole thing takes place in Shirima, so I assume it was a kind of a package deal. But she mentions how she has a long history of manipulating people in Noxus um, and how she could get generals to do anything she wanted and um, she was pulling all of these strings behind the scenes. Um, But it's also kind of implied that she was moved to shirima before she even reached adulthood like that's Mm. something that happens when she's in shirima and it seemed like while she was always kind of um beautiful like a lot of the more manipulative things may have been learned from her mother like while she was here um so it seems like that like that would have been interesting to know if that was the case like if if she had all this power behind the scenes i would have loved to have known that in the in the bio <laughs> yeah this is this is what i assumed you were talking about because this struck me as very odd and again i had that same thought of is this in reference to old lore did they but like you said it's in shirima so um because it, yeah it the way the bio reads i very much got the sense that you know her mom is the one who 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 all of those things would describe someone who is pulling all those strings and has all that power and Cass is just a, a pawn to a degree, right? You know, she's just an asset, a right hand woman, as it were. <laughs> right, right, <Yeah>. Talon <laughs> woman. That's funny. I didn't catch that. I did love how often they keep saying like Cassiopeia was beautiful and she was this and that, as if she can't still fucking get it. Like she's still a fucking <laughs> sexy snake lady. <laughs> the top half's good to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> And her face is. Well, I'm the half same. too. If you're into that, <laughs> yeah, I think I think some of that is DNA from the the old lore, where her whole shtick originally was that she was a a manipulator, but like a seductress specifically mm. is is how she was. And I feel like when they retouched the lore, they wanted to try and because that used to describe so many league <laughs> champions that yes. it started to get a little crowded. You know, like old Ari. Yeah. I mean, Evelyn still, Evelyn's but that's fine. Still there, Elise, yeah. you know. You know what's funny is Elise and Evelyn are right next to each other, and they're <laughs> they Ooh. both do that shtick. I'm excited um, to make fun of that. Yeah, I I kind of but, wish they, they yeah. would have reworked her then visually and made her like an actual horrible looking monster. I don't know. That would have been cool. Sure. Like a I mean, monster. I think in general she's she's kind of hamstrung because she's so she's just such a flat Gorgon, you know, Medusa. <laughs> like that's just what she is. She runs into that problem that Alistar has, or, you know, he's just a fucking minotaur. You know, she's just Medusa. She needs that yeah. sizzle, you know? Yeah, I think it, yeah, I, I definitely think it would be improved if they just leaned, like, she's just a full-on fucking snake now. Like, she's not half snake, half woman. Maybe she could still talk in a way, but, you know, make her, like, yeah. Rek'Sai, but or a snake. It, something like that, or or have part, like, part human, the top half, like, going into, I don't know how you would do um, that. Maybe, like, half her, fa- like, two-face? <laughs> Sure, yeah, two-face it, just a <laughs> line straight so, like, down the middle. So, like, one eye or snake, something but... managed to survive. Man, we're good at this. We're better. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be dope as hell if there's just, like, this, like, the Phantom of the Opera mask, but, like, that's the only part of her face that, like, survived the curse. It's all scales and shit, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, in the Descent to the Tomb cinematic, like, there is 
when she is bit by the snake, there is, if you freeze it, God, I think I actually have a timestamp here too. Um, oh, do you really? If you freeze it at 2.14, she does straight up have the Medusa head. Like, <laughs> she's got her human face, and then her, oh, yeah, her yeah. hair is just snakes. Hmm. <laughs> it's weird. Maybe they wanted to slip yeah. that in there as, like, a homage a little bit. Because she's clearly inspired by Medusa. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I will say last beef I have with this short story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she, like, the whole story, she was, she mentioned she was excited to sink her talons mm. into this soldier. Mm-hmm. She never fucking does it. No. She turns him to... St- she doesn't get to sink her talons into anything. No, she ults him. She ults him and then she breaks him. him with her tail. Yeah. It's disappointing. Yes. I got baited. It yes. was the old bait and switch. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think her turning people to stone is so weird. It doesn't really line up with the aesthetic, except that you know she's she's a Medusa, so that's what she does. She turns... It works in the game, but when it comes to like her in a story, it's... You know, whatever, right? Yeah. In general, I found the fight scenes to be such a stark contrast after Camille, who they really worked in, like, how she fights in the game and worked it in so well into a really good fight scene. And this one, they like, she's fighting a lot with her tail, which I understand as a snake lady, she'd probably use her tail, but it didn't translate at all to, like, how she fights in game, which was fine, but then they had her ult like to throw that in there like oh it's like the game now but she wasn't fighting she did spit some acid she i'll did give her that spit some acid yeah she got a q in or a w <laughs> i can't tell which i assume but she couldn't she didn't flash she couldn't so. get those twin fangs in though yeah how do you do i was gonna say how do you even have the twin fangs when it comes to the reality right you can't like eh, whatever just whatever. shoot your teeth out <laughs> yeah yeah it was a weak fight scene in comparison for sure yeah well, my last beef is, uh, you know, she spends a good chunk of this, at least the first start, the start of it, really lamenting her current state. And, you know, like we talked about, lamenting this loss of position and, and power and influence. And then at the very end, after, when she ults the guy, she's got this big rush of, oh, I'm so powerful. I love this. Uh, which you can totally get from, from one to the other, but it just felt like such an immediate about face from, you know, I hate this to I love this <laughs> and I want to do this more. Um, and it felt a little whiplashy, you know? Yeah. Okay, I lied. I have one more beef. Okay. <laughs> so much beef today. <laughs> it was just... it. This was actually a harder, I think, scene for me to visualize. Um, her, her stalking and getting places so fast. I think, like, in my head, she was... She was moving way more like I would imagine somebody like an Evelyn to be moving, mm, like slipping, yeah. slipping yeah. in shadows and almost seeming to like teleport from one place to another. Um, like I had a very hard time envisioning how I, like her snake body was slithering over the rooftops with the speed that it was kind of being described. <laughs> and quietly, like yeah. snakes can be quiet, but like in like the grass, like the meadow, like <laughs> there's rocks everywhere does that hurt her snake body i don't know how it works <laughs> i don't know but yeah i had, I had a hard tough. time as i was trying to envision this stalking scene like it I, it was cool like i liked the idea of it but i had a hard time imagining like how is this snake body doing the things that are being described <laughs> she's like assassins uh, creating on the buildings yeah well she like calls out and it's like by the time he looked she's on the other side of the 
the courtyard or whatever. And it's like that's yeah. that's not a lot of time, man. <laughs> I know it he's drunk, like but still, goddamn. She- <laughs> <laughs> I thought this. I thought this story would have been maybe more effective from the victim's perspective, mm. um, or maybe have someone go down into the crypt and you know you hear like the slithering of scales on stone and just all you know see a glimpse of a, a big snake tail kind of. You know, that would have been cool. Something to make it more horrific. I don't know. Yeah. By the way, after we've complained about this story so much, the the author oh, is, is Rayla Hyde. <laughs> um, just because to give the credit, just, just to give it's not credit. terrible. It's not, not, no, it's not like a bad story. It's just like not what I wanted. Like in in terms yeah. of wanting more for Cassiopeia, yeah, this would have been a great Evelyn story. That too, yeah. yeah sure. One thing I did like, if, if we're looking for positives, I like at the start when she's kind of looking out at the city and she's very disdainful, and it it communicates it in a way that, you know, in the way she's thinking about the city and like smelling the stench of, you know, thousands of people piled on top mm, of each other yeah. in the city. Um, you know, you get the sense that she kind of hates it and kind of hates being there, but it doesn't just outright say. I hate being here, right? Yeah. So, so that was nice. Um, I also found a, a credit for the bio, by the way, on the wiki, which oh, we rarely shit. get. But yeah. this, that was by Ian St. Martin. Um, nice. So, yeah, we're not being rude when we don't yeah. credit the bio. They just they're not listed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we really have to go out of our way to find <laughs> the people most of the time. <laughs> so those were kind of the only short stories. I know that she does come up in a lot of other people's stories, but like. I mean, obviously, she shows up in Sivers because getting stabbed in the back is a big part of Sivers' bio. Yeah, whatever, Siver. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously, shows up in Katarina just just because she's a sister. Do we want to talk about Noxus? I know we kind of said we oh, might yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it here. Okay, because I think some of that helps helps paint some of the picture that Cassiopeia and the Black Rose exist in. So, Black Rose is all over the place. We're not going to go too much into it because they've got their fingers in, in every pie imaginable. And uh, it's a lot. There's a lot of other champions who are better to look at it with, uh, but we can look at Noxus a little. I think in the, gosh, was it Alistar one? Maybe we talked a bit about their kind of their culture. Yeah. Um, and we can get a little bit into their their history. Now, it goes all the way back to the the Darken Wars, actually. So so, you know, after the fall of Shirima, after the fall of Azir, you got Darken ruling over different parts of Runeterra, including the Noxai territories, and eventually that Darken is killed or sealed away in the way that they all kind of are. However, all of the Noxai territories then get taken over by another ruler, this evil sorcerer who eventually is known as the Dread Revenant or the Iron Revenant or Mordekaiser, as we all <laughs> know him. Uh, and his seat of power is this massive thing called the uh, the Immortal Bastion. It's this giant citadel. You'll see it in a bunch of the Noxus art. And currently that's in the center of their capital. Now, eventually... Mordekaiser is overthrown by Noxai tribes, but it seems like they still seems like they still fight because the rune wars actually start when two different Noxai tribes have runes and have a conflict and can't come to an agreement. <laughs> um, so good job, Noxus, <laughs> way to keep it up. Um, now, eventually, they I guess they form fully at the end of the rune rune wars. Uh, some single Noxai tribe probably finally took over shit. They build out Noxus Prime, which is the capital where the Immortal Bastion still is, and. Uh, I think probably the the leaders of those tribes become the noble families, like the Ducatos, like like the Swains, um, ones that we'll we'll see kind of mentioned throughout. Uh, and they start they start you know pacifying their surrounding territories. The first Demacian Noxian conflict occurs, and this shit goes on for like a couple centuries, right? 
till eventually you get to a guy called Borm Darkwill who got mentioned in the bio. Um, so he's the emperor um, a little while back. I don't know. I don't know the timeline on this exactly. Obviously, he was around when Cassiopeia was a little girl, or you know, definitely in control when she was born. Um, and talking about the Black Rose. Early on in his rule, a young Jericho Swain exposes a secret cabal known as the Black Rose and has a bunch of their prominent conspirators executed. So that's interesting because the Black Rose is something that people know about, or at least it exists It exists within the Noxian cultural consciousness to a degree, um, which I didn't realize. I thought they were completely underground, but I guess they've been exposed at one point. Yeah, maybe um, people aren't. maybe people aren't aware that they're back in some way. Or that they're as powerful? Yeah. I think the, the reading that I get from looking at this is that when that exposure happened, the assumption is, oh, we, we, we found them and killed them. They're all dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good they're job. All dead. <laughs> Good job, Swain. Um, so Dark Will in control starts igniting all these military campaigns, kind of spreading the, fort, the, the empire out way too thin. Uh, the Shreeman campaign is one of them where Ducateau gets all of his military acclaim and success. So does Swain. Um, which I think is why Marcus or General Ducateau ended up supporting him. I would imagine that if they both were successful in that campaign, maybe they're, they were, you know, wartime buddies. <laughs> that type of thing is kind of my reading of it. Now, eventually, uh, you know, during the Ionian, the first Ionian invasion, Swain loses this big battle at the, the Placidium, which is like kind of the turning point, gets ousted out of the military and kind of is gone in shame for a bit till he comes back. <laughs> and does a one-night coup, you know, executing Dark Will and deposing him and all that jazz. Uh, which is also, again, what we saw in the bio, right? So that's like the big turning point. And this is about eight or so years ago, give or take. So just to help set a timeline for where things are at. Um, now, Swain's in control. He establishes the, the Trifarix, which is something we might see pop up going on. It's a, So instead of having a single emperor, they now have a like a triumvirate type rulership. Think like Rowan triumvirate, I guess. With him, Darius, and someone who is ostensibly a representative from the Noxian Assassin Guilds. They call them the Faceless. Oh. They're like purposefully anonymous. Hmm. I don't know if that's someone else. It's it's up for it's up for debate. I guess we'll see. Uh, and Swain issues, there's a piece called the Proclamation of the Trifarix, which is, if you're interested in Noxian history or anything like that, it's a good little piece to read. Um, but it's essentially like written in universe as a crier reading out this proclamation after this happens. And... Swain ends all the foreign wars. He, anyone who doesn't support him has a week to drop their shit and get out of Noxus or they get killed. Um, and uh, this is, again, where Swain declares that Dark Will was being manipulated by a group who has existed since back to the Rune Wars, who's influenced a bunch of Noxian kings and champions. So, and he names them enemies of the state, but he doesn't actually name them by name, which is kind of weird. He doesn't say... The Black Rose is who I'm talking about. He talks about it in a kind of weird roundabout way. Hmm. But again, kind of, I guess, hmm. so I don't know, back to that question, of, I don't know if people think this is the same group or if it's just some other group or if it's just rhetoric around, you know, outing people who oppose him or whatever. Maybe he actually suspected there were tons of groups like the Black Rose, but <laughs> that he just didn't know about. And he's like, this will be a good catch all. Maybe they'll all think it's about them. <laughs> You know, that's that's not outside you know that's not not outside the realm of how Swain operates, I think. Except I think he also does know that it's the Black Rose because he <laughs> guy knows everything. <laughs> He's a little omniscient. But um interesting thing to note on this little proclamation, it talks about like within a year, um 
you know, the, the, all the meritocratic ideals of Noxus that we kind of talked about are like really reinforced. So like governorships are now not, they used to be inherited. Now they're, they're not, uh, uh, commissions to the military, that type of stuff. Oh, uh, slavery is made illegal on pain of death. So makes his ear look like a punk bitch. I was going to say, right? yeah, he did that real fucking easy. His ear. <laughs> yeah, Swain shows up and is like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. And if you do it, you're going to get fucking killed. And that's oh. the end of it. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you oppose me? Fuck you. You're dead now. <laughs> yeah. You got a week. Otherwise you're dead. He's just, it's, it really makes Azir look very indecisive compared to, <laughs> compared to Swain's effectiveness. Right. Wow. Is, and, Swain um, looks like a real hero compared to Azir. Yeah. What can I say? I mean, it, Swain's interesting. I'll be, I'll be interested to get to him yeah. you know, in a year or yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think if there's anything else relevant. Oh, um, they established the Trifarian Legion. This is like the baddest motherfuckers on the block. These these guys are a bunch of uh, Rune Terror cards for Noxus. So <laughs> you'll see them mentioned a ton. And um, and the only other thing is the Duke is that Marcus Ducato, according to Talon's lore, is currently missing. Oh. Now, yeah. Now there's a quote from Swain that describes him as as dead, but I think that's old canon. I think that's old lore where he had been killed. Because um, it also mentions Katarina trying to kill Swain, and Katarina is actually, according to her, to her lore, working for Swain oh. and them. So, <laughs> yeah, not a big spoiler, you know. Um, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure he's just missing. Is what's going on with him? Hmm. That's all. Just just some 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 quick rundowns of kind of what's what's happened and what the political landscape of Noxus is. Because I think it of of all the other regions is where we see the most political intrigue and plots kind of develop that type of stuff. He and he and the real yeah. J4 are being held by the Black Rose as we speak. <laughs> yeah, I'm man, I'll be really interested to see if they've carried any of that uh, any of that <laughs> over. I don't know. Uh. Yeah. And then oh, uh and for the Black Rose, one thing that did come up that I found is that their leader is often referred to as a quote unquote pale woman. Um, Could like be as a title. Could be anyone. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck knows who that is? Um, certainly about certainly not Peele somebody with know. pale in their name. <laughs> is there someone with pale in their name? LeBlanc. Oh. She's is pale in her name? Or in her subtitle? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know what her subtitle is. Oh no, it's just French. Oh, for the white. oh, you're talking about the oh, oh. Oh, I see. See, they hit it. The white. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I never thought about that. That her name is just the white. <laughs> okay, LeBlanc. I never did Jesus. either. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we've got some outdated shit to talk about now. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> So in Cassiopeia's old bio, they kept the whole bit where she was cunning and beautiful. Um, she used to always just kind of hang around foreign dignitaries and just pry information out of them. Uh, and after one particular instance, uh, this was after the Barbarian Pacification Campaign from Noxus, where they, you know, went in to get rid of the barbarians in the Freljord. Uh she was trying to get information from a Freljordian, a Freljordian <laughs> diplomat. Uh, he refused unless she swore an oath of secrecy upon a strange serpentine blade. So she did. 
And then as soon as she got back to Noxus, she's like, nah, dad, you gotta hear all this shit I just got from this dude. And basically, as soon as she spilled the beans, she turned into a half-snake woman and murdered a group of nearby servants. So I was about to say that I kind of like that, but then I realized, like, what a dumb curse. Like, you want to curse someone so if they lie, they turn into a powerful being? Yeah. That's not a good curse. She should have turned into just, like, an actual, like, garden snake. Right? That, that would have been, been cool as hell. Yeah, that yeah. would have been good. Not a good champ, but it would have been a better curse. <laughs> the grass uh, snake. But yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but now she's half snake, so she can't serve in court anymore. So she decides to serve Noxus through the League of Legends on the Fields of oh, Justice. God. Man. Meta. <laughs> and she's going to have to go through a champion judgment to do it. So... The champion judgment, she makes it to the hall, and all of these, basically, they are forced to relive some sort of, like, moment from their past that says a lot about them, or just, like, something painful, and it's kind of, like, all in their head while people observe and judge them on how they handle the situation, Um, but they don't realize it's in their head. Mm. To them, it's, like, real. So basically, Cassio is forced to relive the last memory she has of her father, uh, which, as I mentioned, is kind of um, she's hiding away in her room after having been turned into a snake. And he's just like, you know, get your shit together, get out there, do your thing like you're a Ducato, act like it. Uh, And then he gives her an envelope, which is sealed with a black rose and then leaves. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the scene shifts to a soldier entering the room, at which point she knows her dad is dead. And the soldier's like, sorry, I, I, I know you told me to tail him, but I lost him. Uh, so, you know, she finds out that he is he is now dead, having been on his way to meet someone from the Black Rose and, you know, strangles the... <laughs> the messenger and then the messenger turns into someone from the the institute of war who's like why do you want to join the league and she's just like you know because my dad's dead and i know someone here knows something so i'm gonna get someone here to talk and you're like okay you're in (laughs) what a like cliched like i don't know line they gave her there just kind of storyline my parent has died i want to find the killer yeah yeah old lore was cut with something else wasn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> i love the function of judgments as it's just like here let me just lay out everything about my character in a nice you know no nuance no development just here's your judgment <laughs> yeah it was really funny and I, I feel like people aren't really judged very much they're not yeah i don't know I, I want to see the judgments for the champions that don't make it into the league. Right? Because yeah. all of the judgments <laughs> right? we see are ones that made it in, and some of them are real shitty. They're just like, I just want to murder people. Yeah, all right, you're in. Yeah, proves. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe that's what they're looking for, I guess, or were, because they don't exist anymore. But like like us, if we went in, it's like, oh, I want to join the league. It's like, I oh, don't know, man, your judgment was you making chicken parmesan last night. Is <laughs> This isn't for you, my dude. <laughs> Shit. I want to be Chicken Parman. That'll be my alt. 
chicken parmesan killed my father. One of you knows something. I was turned. God. That's like the chef version of Vane. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I forgot yeah. that's essentially Vane's backstory. The Spoiler. chicken parmesan thing? Yes, specifically. <laughs> I don't know anything about Vane. You will. Eventually. Soon. In like two and a half years. Soon to you. Now, Cassiopeia is also in a handful of cinematics and a handful of alternate universes. So the first one, obviously we already talked about it, Descent into the Tomb. Won't go through that again. Uh, she's also in, um, you know, this this one is another not really counting one, but she's in the Return to the Star cinematic, which is the uh, TFT Galaxies mid-set launch. Her Eternum skin is there just because it was part of the TFT set. It got its own oh, little okay. trailer. I was wondering um, what, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing exciting in that one. But actual <laughs> cinematics, she is in uh, the Spirit Blossom um, cinematics, two of the ones from uh, China specifically. She did not end up making it into the English ones, um, but she's in both of the Chinese ones. And they were just kind of animated as opposed to CG, but yeah, she, she makes an appearance. Yeah, she's a big part of that whole event yeah when you say animated do you mean um like in game how they sometimes do with like skin trailers or is it like actually drawn animation um these one yeah they were kind of like both they they had like the Mm. in-game um animations but they also had um some some actual like drawn animations in between those two did you romance Mm. her when you played the spirit blossom event Uh, i'm trying to remember who i romance i definitely romance thresh very quickly by accident, Timo. and then... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, let's move on. We'll talk about that later. Do you want me to wear that Timo hat? Or... <laughs> Just saying. Never underestimate uh, the and... power of the Scouts code, man. <laughs> <sighs> now, Cassiopeia is also in an actual cinematic... Though it was not released. <laughs> now, I remember when this was being worked on and we kind of got to see a little bit of it. And then we were also essentially told this is not getting released. Um, and we were kind of bummed at the time. But it's, I mean, it's available on YouTube. It has since leaked out. It is not the best work. I still think it's pretty cool. Um and it is the only cinematic where you actually get to see, like, in CG, Cassiopeia doing her thing. Like, she does get to use her alt, which is pretty cool. She gets to shatter people again, because that tail whip move is something that they clearly wanted to add to the game, but just didn't. <laughs> Can't make her melee. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I do remember seeing this. That um, was a Dominion think... cinematic, by the way. You never actually mentioned yes. the name of it, I don't think. Oh, yes, sure, that was yeah. a cinematic for... The Dominion game mode, which... I'm watching it now because I forgot to watch it. Yeah, which, <laughs> you know, obviously doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it used to be on the Crystal Scar. Uh, and they had they, they were, like, just releasing it. Um, it was released probably... I want to say, like, a month or so after I started oh. there. Yeah. Yeah, man, Dominion. Fuck. 
I was going to say, if you go and look this up on YouTube, make sure to look for the one with fixed audio because there's at least yes. one version floating around where the audio is off by a half second or whatever. It's really jarring. Yeah, if you um, if you go to YouTube and just type in Dominion Cinematic, it should be the first one that comes up. Yeah, yeah. so this was not a fan-made cinematic. But <laughs> Despite what you might as much think. As it looks like look. one. Yeah, like I know I it, it's I've not it's not in the Riot channel because they never oh. officially released it, but it it was actually an official one that just this didn't was, get released. This was a fucking riot because oh, I had forgotten all about this, and then you mentioned it. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I fucking forgot all about this. It is fucking great to go back and watch the janky animation, sh- like Aurelia ulting minions, Ooh. shit that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's Report fucking Aurelia. Dope. Aurelia, that, yeah, that old Aurelia, Aurelia ult, too, yeah. where killed. she just shot blades out. Oh, my yeah, God, I forgot yeah. about that. That was her ult. I was trying to remember what it right. was. It's supposed It's supposed to be all cool, and it just it isn't in a lot of ways. Oh, is that Lux? She gets oh, hit Christ. By like, oh, man. The Lux Power Girl pose after she ults, that shit's great. The one thing, the thing is, though, like, it's funny that you talk about Cassiopeia ulting because the way they do it in the game is, or in the, sorry, in the trailer whatever you want to call it, is really kind of weird because she catches Jarvan mid-jump and his her ult takes a long time and he starts getting slowly encased in stone, but he kind of stays in mid-air because gravity doesn't... Because they, want, they wanted the scene to work a certain way. It's like, well, he, he's made of stone. He would just oh. fall, right? It's like... <laughs> Sorry, Timo came. This is horrifying. He's like a little rat. It's because I romanced him. No, I hate it. I was going to say... <laughs> Oh uh, my god, Malphite! <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of characters Malphite. in here. It's so bad! Like, if you watch yeah. animated cartoon porn, it's better than this that people make in, like, their basements. We do get to see some fun... Uh, you get to see the old Swain, oh, Swain alt, too. Swain, yeah! Yeah. Where he, like, literally like turns old. into a crow. Mm-hmm. I thought that was... It reminded me of it, and I, I, th- I, I had forgotten that, that he used to do that. Yeah, it looks pretty, pretty good, cool. or at least it used to look pretty good in in game. Anyway, it's yeah, it's one of the better um, looking things in the cinematic. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like they did for the Cassiopeia alts. They just decided to um, do the the same physics as League physics, where if, right, yeah. if you get frozen midair, you just stay midair. <laughs> They're just staying you know, on brand, I, I you know. <laughs> staying on brand, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this oh, was this was great. Pose. Yes. I love the fucking Lux pose. Dominion was pretty fun. I only played it like a few times. It's fast. It's fun. It's Dominion. (laughs) That was the old tagline. I just said it was pretty fun. Uh, That was one of the modes I wish I took advantage of more. That and Twisted Tree Line, because I didn't play either enough, Mm. I feel like. All right, John. Did you want to jump into the alternate universes? Okay. She's in a handful of alternate universes. Uh, we talked a little bit about High Noon already, and she doesn't play a huge part in it. Um, in the Man with the Grinning Shadow uh, story, she's essentially a saloon girl. Um, an interesting thing to note in this is that she does wear a veil at all times to avoid turning her patrons into stone, which oh. seems to imply that she does not necessarily have control of her power here. She, again, has an even more Gorgon-like... <laughs> She's a Cyclops? Like, she yeah. can't help it? <laughs> yeah, just like a straight-up... Huh. 
Um, <laughs> although her, her little lore blurb for that skin just says, uh, enterprising creatures of the old West often fall with more successful bandit clans serving as nightmarish enforcers, unafraid of a little casual violence. Cassiopeia became infamous as one such outlaw, but following a bloody coup now leads an enclave of her own, hmm. which seems a little different than her actual role in the story that we see, but maybe she's in disguise. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they just didn't talk no. to each other. <laughs> um, she's also in the Eternum uh, alternate universe. So this is set in a world where alien machines rule. Uh, each champion is an indoctrinated mechanical being. Uh, and her little lore snippet for that one is, in a world overrun by alien machines, this one seems especially intrigued by your presence. It's life. The metal form slides towards you, begging for your attention. You take one look, and and then the story cuts off. Mm. Okay. I forgot about the Eternum stuff. Yeah, and it is... This one, uh, the Eternum skin line is probably in the same universe as the Battlecast skin line. Uh, or at least it's implied as much in the Olaf versus everything issue two. Oh, really? Interesting. Is it like, is it like the machines were created to fight the the alien machines, like the battle casts versus Eternum, or are they working together? It looks like they're working together, like mm. kind of with Victor. Weird, because I yeah I know Victor kind of made all of them in that, or I, th- I thought he made all of them in that AU. But maybe uh maybe they're just uniting against Olaf in you know yeah. in the way that you know superhero comics and villains unite against bigger villains. <laughs> maybe. But yeah, I I thought it was like a to fight monsters, we made monsters <laughs> type situation. <laughs> the uh yeah, the last one she's in is Spirit Blossom. We talked a little bit about it, but her little uh, blurb on that one said, uh, rumored to have once been a beautiful princess, legend says Cassiopeia vanished into the mountains where her sister staged a coup, never to return. So great was her beauty and so renowned her cunning that a shrine was built to honor this spirit of temptation until her story was accepted into popular folklore. Hmm. A lot of coups in her. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of coups in her. Coups happening all around. <laughs> you know, if everywhere you look there's a coup, maybe you're the coup. Doesn't sound like a word anymore, huh? <laughs> the coup is you. <laughs> I coup, you coup, he, she, we coup. Coology, the study of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a coonacopia. A, a coup. <laughs> Namatata. <Bless> <laughs> Uh, anywho, so any coup. The, <laughs> <laughs> all right, last all dads la- here. last thing I had was just a few quotes that I wrote down of her. She doesn't have a lot of quotes actually. Um, no. Older champs, yeah, like they clearly <laughs> added a few more when they redid her lore, but not like a lot. Um, one of them though was Azir. I intend to prove a powerful ally. So it's kind of clear that she wants to get on Azir's side, probably so that he can teach her the secrets of Ascension. Hmm. But that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that is kind of interesting. I, I read that, but I, 
I guess I assumed it was old lore because it, it didn't seem to really make sense. I assumed she would just be kind of working for Noxus and the Black Rose, but maybe maybe that's her, her charge is to go out and find Azir and you know worm her way in. Yeah, know, it would make like sense that. if they want to try to... Because Azir's recently come back after Sivir's been killed, yeah. so it makes sense that the Black Rose want to get on his good side, I guess, or kind of work their way through yeah. there. Yeah, especially if yeah, spread that you know, they don't have the support of Borum mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other three quotes are all mocking Sivir, which I fucking <laughs> loved. It's just all dogging her. <laughs> you died like a bitch, Sivir. Basically. Okay, so the first one is, Oh, Sivir, all you ever needed was a sharp prodding. Jesus. <laughs> and then, uh, Apologies, Sivir. I dispose of tools that have exhausted their use. <laughs> and then the last one, Sivir, back to die so soon. <laughs> mm. Those Rough. are pretty good. Right? So, any uh, any last thoughts on Cassiopeia? She's Snick. Mm. She is Snick. <laughs> she, she attack. She, she protect. But most importantly, <laughs> she's Snick. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have much. Yeah, as always, potential. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I, I will say I think her and Chogath and Corky, our next ones, are gonna all kind of be like this. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I think they're you know they're they're much older champions who, um, Riot might have some trouble figuring out where to put them in the the big scheme of things. Like yeah. You know, Cass is kind of stuck, just and you know, stuck in Shirima, kind of just doing not a lot. <laughs> Her doing stuff with Azir would be the most interesting thing she could do, I think. My guess is we're actually uh, at some point whenever they do the big void event, because you know, you know, it's gonna happen at some point. <laughs> um, my guess is they'll go and redo a bunch of the lore for like all of the void champions um, to to add a bit more, mm-hmm. but they're probably avoiding doing it until they know what direction avoiding. they want to take the. <laughs> until yeah. they know what direction they kind of want to take all that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. you know, we'll we'll probably have to revisit some people <laughs> <laughs> when that's all redone. But that's fine. Don't worry. It'll it'll take them like five years to do it. <laughs> we'll be done with the pot. We'll have to bring it back. <laughs> It'll have been over for years. <laughs> but that's it. We have I was gonna say we have done Cassiopeia, that sounded bad, but we we have done Cassiopeia, the snake. We have concluded. We have concluded. Nice. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good, honey. It was so funny. I was laughing on the inside. Didn't you see it in my eyes? No. Don't look in your eyes. It'll turn to stone. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening. If you could, you know, review the podcast, so you know wherever you listen to it, that'd be helpful. And join us next week when we'll be talking about the terror of the void, Chogath.